Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. So this episode, we're covering Game of Thrones, Season 4, Episode 5, the first of his name. Um, and I'm actually going to remember to do the spoiler warnings. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. We will spoil everything. The books, the show, things that haven't even happened yet. Those will all be spoiled. <laughs> they will spoil you and you will like it. Right. So if you, don't, if you don't like it, you might want to stop now, though. <laughs> the other thing is um, trigger warnings for this episode because it is Game of Thrones. They seem to like to do um, portray rape a lot. So we will probably have to touch on rape. So if this is an issue for you, you probably don't want to listen either. Sexual and general violence a lot in this episode. Yeah. So just a heads up about that. And um, so now the business is out of the way and I'll introduce... Um, the panel. Um, let's start with YD, if you could uh, introduce yourself. Hi everyone, this is YD, and you can find me at Yellow Delaney on Tumblr. Okay, and Chicky. Hi, this is Chicky. I'm Chikrin on Tumblr. Eon. Hey, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative at Tumblr. And our guest, we have a new guest today. Yay. Hi, I am Natural Shocks. Uh, my Tumblr is 1000 Natural Shocks at Tumblr, and I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Yay. Yay. We love new people, fresh blood. Fresh blood. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh, Lady of Tarth, um, Lady of Tarth hyphen posts on Tumblr. <laughs> I feel you on that, like, on not exactly how you wanted it, your Tumblr name, right? for sure. Yeah. And people call me Lot uh, also, so. <laughs> okay, let's go into this. Um, so this episode starts off with the Great Keep, and we see Tommen is at his um, coronation. He's getting crowned by the High Septon. Sweet, sweet Tommen. <laughs> is this the same Septon, like the big fat one? Does anyone remember? Oh, good question. No. Yeah, I couldn't say. I was trying to tell if it was the same dude. I couldn't tell. That's not even a question. It just popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that's okay. <laughs> so everyone... I, think it was, I think it was the same guy that married Joffrey and Marjorie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. He just didn't look that fat. Isn't he supposed to be really fat? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe he's staying on a diet. <laughs> you know, you're getting really nitpicky when... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe right, wait, it was just his clothes, you know, that concealed, you know. <laughs> he's got a good tailor. <laughs> okay so uh anyway everyone in turn is um just saying congrats well i don't know if you say congratulations to a king but they're just greeting the new king and uh you kind of see Tolman and marge making eyes at each other and cersei steps into the shot um <laughs> and uh what happens is she kind of um <clears throat> makes her way over to marjorie to have a a little conversation with her and it was kind of like not the Cersei that we all know. Like she seemed very pleasant. Um, anybody gentle, <laughs> right? Yeah. I thought it was really interesting because the last time that we had a one-on-one convo with them, Cersei said she would kill Marjorie if she called her sister again. And Marjorie calls her. She's like, "Oh, should I call you sister?" And I was like, "Oh, geez, Marjorie, watch yourself." <laughs> And then she throws in, or perhaps mother. I'm like, oh, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I am, yeah, I was was quite interested in Cersei's behaviour in this episode. And I have to say, I am hoping, although it would be uncharacteristic for her anyway, but I'm wondering if she's perhaps been uncharacteristically sort of sly in trying to manoeuvre and ingratiate herself with the judges for um, Tyrion's trial. Because, I mean, in this scene, for example, she's talking to Marjorie, but we all know that her father, Marjorie's father, is one of the judges. So perhaps she's just reminding Marge here that, you know, uh, you need me to be queen. Um, So have a little chat to your father about that. I mean, I'm not sure. I'd like to think that's what's happening because I know um, a lot of people weren't happy with Cersei's portrayal in this episode and thought she was very out of character. Yeah, I, I think that's what's happening. I think that she is trying to 
yeah. manipulate the judges and manipulate Mace through his daughter. Which, do you think, Chicky, that should, is that that's a bit uncharacteristic for her anyway? Because she's not usually sort of as underhand in her dealings, in my opinion. Oh, I think Cersei's a manipulator. I just yeah. don't know that uh, Cersei would go to the level right. that she's gone to in this episode to manipulate. I don't know that she would sit there and trash Joffrey yeah. in an attempt to manipulate Marjorie yeah. into something that is not something we know from the book she wanted to happen anyway, which is the Marjorie Tommen marriage. Yeah, so, that certainly um, seems very like, off to me. Yeah, I feel like Cersei's manipulation is harsher and more sexual in a lot of ways and yeah. <laughs> like being nice is Marjorie's hey, game Ma- so Marjorie, kind of, Marjorie, Marjorie may have been very receptive to some sexual advances from oh, I some fan fiction being written as we speak it really was a catty scene did you see all the eye rolling going on too oh absolutely oh yeah, absolutely. yeah. Oh, they're a fun pair to watch aren't they and Marjorie is just a terrible liar <laughs> Oh, I hadn't even thought about being queen again. We're both terrible liars. I'll have to go away and have a think about it. Okay. Um, So uh, I was going to ask, well, actually, just to expand on what YD said, I was kind of watching the scene too and thinking it it seems a bit uncharacteristic of Cersei. But as I realized as I was like making my notes on this episode, I noticed all her scenes were with the judges. So yes. I think you're right on. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Let's hold Butter up all the judges. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, moving on. Danny and her counsel. Um, she's told of Joffrey's death, and I see a bit of a hint of a smile. She seems pleased by the news. Dario mm-hmm. announces he's taken. Well, actually, it's Jora announces that. No, Barristan announces that they've taken the navy, and Dario says actually the second sons took the navy. <laughs> Um, Danny wants to know if uh, her new navy can carry 10,000 soldiers to King's Landing. Sir Barrison seems on board. Jorah does not, and he kind of drops the bombs on her that young Kai and Astapor have fallen away from the order she left it in. Danny dismisses all of them except Jorah, and she says, How can I rule seven kingdoms if I can't control Slaver's Bay? And I'm like, That's a, such a stupid question. I can think of like a million reasons why that place would be hard to control. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked this scene. I felt like Book Danny shining through in here. I don't know if that's like a popular or a common opinion. Get out. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, you, don't you know, NS, that we adore Danny on this podcast? Yeah. I know, this is like the one corner of the fandom that just doesn't care about Danny whatsoever. <laughs> it's so true. It's but not... she... Oh, go it's ahead. Like, there's so much like, oh man, dragon mother, so badass, like all this stuff. And it's, I feel like it was a good representation of like, oh my God, I am a 14 year old who has no idea what I'm doing. Like this is the first time that I was like watching the show and remembered her age in the books. I like this. I like that we have a Danny fan. Yeah, <laughs> really Danny is represented on this podcast for once. Somewhat balanced our universe and slightly balanced. I don't have any I don't have any strong feelings really towards Danny or this scene. But I did I did like um Jorah's little uh little look when he was uh told to stay whilst everyone else was told to leave. It was kind of like he was internally high fiving himself. I love it. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I'm the, it. Okay. Maybe I'm just reading into it. <laughs> uh, anyway, she decides she's going to stay and rule. And then my question for this segment was: Is in the books? Is it Jorah who pushes her into staying? Because he no. seems no, no. I, I think she wants to stay herself. In the books, yes, she makes the decision to stay. In the books, at this point, Jorah is out. Actually, oh, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. I was... Jorah has been ejected at this point. Yeah, once he's in the doghouse, <laughs> he sure is. Or he the sure is. House, as it were. And that's yeah. got to happen this season, right? You think they're gonna? Yeah. Well, we've seen. I think we saw in one of the the trailers. We saw that scene where Danny is on her own little throne, and I think Jorah is sort of... approaching. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's coming. Yeah, we're we're just kind of a it's kind of a juggle of of where at in the books that we are. I think they're going to hit that note. I just don't think we've hit it yet. Mm, that's that's yeah. going to be fun. I kind of am 
going to enjoy that, I think. No, I'm looking forward to it as well. Me too. Me too. We are evil people. I hope that the kiss makes it in. That's that's my main thing. I want the Jora Danny kiss attempt. I need to see it. The Jora Danny kiss of death. Yes. If I was Amelia, I totally would fall out of character and just let him kiss me. Just go for it. Yeah. Ian Glenn. Ian Glenn and go for it. I would. Like, oh, you guys have an opinion about a Danny scene. Like, usually, you get to Danny, it's like, everyone is neutral. <laughs> so, at least you're excited about something in the future. So it's, it's Ian Glenn we're talking about here, okay? Yes, oh. Yes. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, so, next scene is uh, Sansa and Littlefinger, and they're in the veil. Oh. Okay, oh. yeah, we, we know where this is going. Um <laughs> He tells her to pull up her hood. Um, he, she has a memorable shade. I'm sorry, I can't do it as well as sandwiches. <laughs> we need sandwiches for these little finger yeah. segments. We do, we do. We need, we need pirate little finger. <laughs> <laughs> so they arrive at the bloody gate and um, tells um, he tells them that it's his niece, Elaine. So why do you think they changed it from his daughter to his, well, pretend daughter to his pretend niece? Is there any I wonder reason? if it's because they're um, now speaking of a betrothal to Robert and he probably wouldn't marry a bastard. Hmm. Oh, interesting sorry. idea, YD. That's not, that's not a bad idea at all. No, it's, that, yeah. that, that makes the most sense. I was just thinking it was probably because of, like, the gross, creepy shipping angle and, like, Maybe they'll feel better having like the scenes between them if it's not like pretend father and daughter. Because like, Uncle a little Lisa's bit better. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I'm sorry. Oh I didn't actually catch that. Who? Who did you? Was it Chicky that said something? Sorry. Yeah, I broke it. I just said Uncle Niece is so much better than father daughter. <laughs> it's slightly less repulsive. Uh. Ew. <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> So uh, he comes up, uh, he gets up the mountain, and he's in the, I don't know what they call that room, the moon door room. <laughs> Does that work? It might be the throne room. Oh, I don't yeah, know. I want to don't quote that. me. I'm calling it the moon door room. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Do it. Okay. And um, so Liza and Robin are there, and Peter gives Robin a gift, some kind of glass bird. I'm hoping it's a Robin. <laughs> uh, Sansa introduces herself as Elaine, and... Uh, Lysa comes down, oh, my flesh and blood, gives her a hug. Her, her face is saying, I'm not feeling that friendly towards you. So like a little hint of what's to come. Um, Robin throws the bird out of the moon door and he, he talks about how he wants to make the little man fly. They discuss Tyrion a little bit and Lysa asks um, if he's forced himself on Sansa. She tells her no. Um, and... <laughs> Lysa pretty much attacks Littlefinger with her tongue in the scene. In my notes, I have Lysa devours Littlefinger's face. He is not impressed. <laughs> you know, I was almost thinking that Littlefinger was going to push her out of the moon, the moon door that time. Right then. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's only fair considering that the son yeah. just threw his gift out the moon door. Right? How rude. He's like, you throw my gift out the moon door, I'll throw your mother out the moon door. <laughs> Take that, Robin. <laughs> Sweet Robin's still a little shit. Oh God, isn't he? Didn't you love how he approached Sansa and he was like, "Hey, I heard your family was brutally murdered." <laughs> I think uh, it was funny too how she um, talks about how they've already had a wedding night and she seems pretty stoked on getting married, and he looks <laughs> like he's ready to like jump out the moon door himself. Well, he knows what happens at weddings. <laughs> I've got a question about that. So I thought that in the very, like, the first season, they established that Littlefinger was a virgin, which I know is totally not at all what happens in the books. But I could have sworn that there was an implication, like, in one of the, like, gratuitous sex scenes that he was talking maybe to Roz about, like, how he had never had sex and, like, was saving himself for Catelyn. I do not remember this at all. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, that would be hilarious if they did. That would be hilarious. <laughs> maybe I'm crazy, or maybe it was like, um, I wonder if, if you hadn't had sex since. I wonder if you're remembering whether when he says that he's never actually had sex with one of his, I think Ross says it, he's never had sex with one of his girls. Maybe, maybe? that's it. That's it, I think. Yeah, I, it's been a long time since I watched season one, so I'm not sure which yeah. one. Well, because like in the of... in the books, right, he did have sex with Liza. Right, they had 
the baby yeah, that she was forced whole, to yes. abort. So. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. There there are even theories that Sweet Robin is, in fact, Littlefinger's I would yes. believe that. Yeah. I see yes. a resemblance. Right? <laughs> Little. <laughs> An evil resemblance. <laughs> the creepiness. The creepiness is the resemblance. Both of them need to stay away from Sansa. They have that Oh my god, okay. Um, so, uh, he's kind of delays in trying to get married right away and saying he needs a bath and some new clothes and they open the doors and there's the Septon ready to go. <laughs> you know, I hope he actually did get a chance to have that bath before, you know, <laughs> the scene that follows. I Otherwise, wouldn't put was... money on that. Uh... <laughs> I don't think Lisa cares. I think she. I don't think she does either. <laughs> She'd take him extra grimy if she could. Hey, I just want to bring up something from chat, which was that everyone agreed that Kate Dickey, who is the actress who plays Lisa Tully, was phenomenal in this scene. So good. Yeah, we so good. Oh, my God. Absolutely. She's amazing. I think they even did really good casting on Sweet Robin because he looks a lot like her, too. He does. Yeah. He yeah, yeah, he does. Totally. And he's he's... Like you said, he's got that resemblance of evil. (laughs) Very well. Creepy. Creepiness. Okay. Oh, and the line that she says, I'm warning you, I'm going to scream in my husband, which loved to me. My notes literally say, ew, with about 12 W's. (laughs) Hey, there's nothing little about his finger. Oh, God. (laughs) God. I'm so sorry. I remember when I got to that scene in the books, I was like, are they really going to show this? Like, I remember being totally enamored with that Sansa chapter because she was just so uncomfortable. And I was really kind of glad that they left it into the show because it's just so, like, poor, like, just another layer of, like, sadness on the Sansa cake, you know? Yeah, I'm also glad that we didn't actually get an in-depth look of what was happening in that bedroom. (laughs) I wouldn't have minded. Ew. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me? There was a funny gif on Tumblr that somebody made of um, the line. She says, you'll hear me scream so loud, you'll hear me clear across the narrow sea. Oh, God. <laughs> there's like a Danny reaction gif. She's like, what's that sound? <laughs> I have not seen that. I'll have to check me it out. Me neither. That's amazing, though. <laughs> Uh, and then I said, and I write poor Sansa because she's hearing the song. Gosh. Okay, hasn't she suffered enough? <laughs> right, poor girl. I felt bad for her. Did you see the size of her room? I mean, it looks like they stuck her yeah. in their walk-in closet. It was a closet. Oh god, <laughs> it really was. Yeah, Tyrion's cell was larger. <laughs> yeah, she's literally the red-headed it. stepchild at this point. Oh Aww. my god. <laughs> oh, no. I can say that I'm a total redhead. Do you you think that they're going to dye her hair? Doesn't seem like it. I think the hood line that that Littlefinger had was kind of a nod to the hair dye. Yeah. Yeah, I think if they were going to do it, they would have already done it. Yeah. I've noticed a ton of times that you can see the dye on her scalp, just because I've dyed my hair so many times that I'm super, like, attuned to that look. And I think they dye her hair a lot when they're doing filming, so I'm hoping that they will do it dark. That's interesting because Sophie Turner is a natural redhead, but they do she dye is. her hair kind of more of an auburn color than I think yes, it, her natural is. color is. Actually, there was like a, a preview like um, coming up for season four Game of Thrones thing that HBO did. And when they're interviewing her, she actually is sitting in a chair and they're dyeing her hair. Yeah. Oh. Is that where she talks about how much she loves Jamie Lannister? Pretty much. Oh, wait, that's, that's all Sophie Turner's interview. She's so adorable. <laughs> It's like every interview I've seen so few women. She, she has good taste. Exactly. Yeah, yes. on that. Okay, moving on. Cersei and Tywin, um, they're kind of having a sit down, talking marriages, and he's asking when um, Tommen and Marge are getting married, and he says in a fortnight. And then he asks, "Well, when are you marrying Loras?" Shortly after, in a fortnight. Um, somebody help me out. I feel really stupid for asking. What the hell's a fortnight? Two weeks. Two, weeks. Two weeks. 14 days. How do you all know that? <laughs> is serious. this a Canadian thing? <laughs> do you not have fortnights in Canada? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> now Canadian, get, like, Canadians um, do not do fortnights. They don't. We say two weeks like normal people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, We're reading too much fantasy. No, <laughs> I had to look up what Fortnite was. But it's it's a sh- it's short for fourteen nights, so oh. fortnight. Oh, fortnight. I didn't actually know that part. I go. feel like playing that rainbow thing. The more you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say we never taught you anything. Today I learned. You're right. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so um. Tywin admits he never liked or trusted Robert and then he has this line about you don't have to trust your alliances um, and then we learned some interesting piece of information that the rock has run dry there's no more gold and they owe the, um, a tremendous amount to the iron bank and uh, I think that might factor in the show later <laughs> just a little yeah so okay now I'm gonna ask a stupid question this wasn't in the book was it absolutely not yeah, because I was like, do I need to pick out my copy and, like, go back? Right, no. Eon is coughing. Is it, is it, She's it, it, dying and choking on this knowledge. Eon, spit it up. Yeah, Eon, if you're going okay. to cough and choke, just turn your mic off, please. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say that I think, was it in depth? And is it Kevin who talks about how their minds are still producing gold? I don't know if Kevin talks about it. Eon, go ahead. I know you know. Well, there has been theories that the Lannisters might have been running dry on their wealth. I mean, yes. it kind of makes sense that, you know, Xerxes later on is, you know, going to reinstate the faith, faith militant because, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to knock off some of their debt right there. So maybe right. they're incorporating this. I mean, it could also explain why um, Tywin is so reluctant to forgive the, the debt that the Crown has to the Lannisters. Yeah, I'm going to go on record. Thing. I'm going to go on record as saying I absolutely do not think that in A Song of Ice and Fire the Lannisters are broke. I do not believe it. I don't, I don't think that they're broke. I think this is a show invention entirely. Really? That's my theory. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm fans. I've just I've seen the, seen the theory before. What were you saying? It, it is a floated theory. Yes. Natural yeah. shocks. You were trying to break in there a couple times. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, I was thinking, um, geez, like their whole thing is their wealth. So I kind of can't imagine that it would be happening in the books without at least slipping by us. But then I have always wondered, okay, the Lannisters have a lot of money. The Lannisters have the throne. The throne has a lot of debt. Like, why not? I never really understood why they, the Lannisters were reluctant to pay off the crown debts. The reason for that is that it's actually a Baratheon debt as opposed to a Lannister debt. Yeah, uh, these are Robert's debts to the Iron Bank, and they are not Lannister debts. And in fact, Robert owes a great deal to the Iron Bank and also to the Lannisters. I was going to say the reason I don't believe in the books that the Lannisters are broke is that in Game of Th- a Game of Thrones, sorry, the book, the first book of A Song of Ice and Fire, we see that Tywin Lannister is still a, a lending option for Robert. So I don't believe he would still be lending money if those mines had been dry for three years. I think that this is entirely a show invention. So that is the first book. So I wonder if perhaps... That's only about two years before where we're at, though. That's true. I I, I agree with you. I don't think they're broke either. I mean, even if their mines are running dry, and I'm not entirely sure I believe that anyway, they still have a lot of assets. So, yeah, yeah, I I don't think they're broke. The other thing that kind of bugs me about it is it kind of makes all of the Lannisters look a little bit stupid that none of them have noticed. Tyrion, in particular, probably would have noticed if the mines in the Westerlands had gone dry. So I I find it difficult to believe that it's true in the books. I I think this is a show, a show invention. Yeah. I think partially, too, because I think Stannis and the Iron Bank stuff is coming up soon. It looked like in the next episode or soon enough. And so I think maybe they're trying to be like, hey, you know what happens in wars? Um, economics become an issue in wars. Like, you know, four seasons later, we start thinking about money. <laughs> All I know is I can barely handle my own finances. I can't even think about these people's finances. <laughs> I, I think probably just to sum, because we should probably move on, um, it's more to indicate that the Iron Bank is going, going to become a player in this story, and they just wanted to highlight that. I, yeah. And I yeah, think they did it well. Sense. It was a good scene for that, I thought. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, uh, next scene. Arya and the, Arya and the Hound. Um, she's reciting her list, and <laughs> the Hound says, would you shut up? And she tells him she can't sleep until she says all the names, all the names in fucking Westeros. Um, then he tells her, just go on. And she's like, one more, and it's the Hound. That's a short scene. 
I don't think there's a whole lot to add to it unless anybody has anything they want to say at this point about this scene. No, not really. It's not a little foreshadowing. Yeah, there's another scene with them, so we'll talk about them later. Uh, Liza and Sansa. I love these scenes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh my god. She talks about Kat um, liking sweets and how Kat was chubby as a child and her father had to stop her from eating so much because she was the eldest daughter. And I like that, the lines and the way it was delivered because you really get that sense of her jealousy of Kat just in that, that little bit. Oh yeah. Um, and you understand it like it's not just like oh geez crazy old Lysa she's just jealous like you really understand I think you got a really good insight on her character and what she's gone through and how kind of awful her life has been living in Cat's shadow mm-hmm. absolutely I felt the same and um, anyway, she mentions how um, Peter brought three crates of lemons from King's Landing because he knows <laughs> you like them and again it's just this, the, her way she delivers them is like she's implies that you know she thinks Peter likes Sansa and uh, she would be right <laughs> she's not stupid <laughs> not so crazy on that speculation license. Like, who knew that lemon cakes could bring on the crazy Right? <laughs> I, I love that she's just, you know, when uh, Sansa stops eating, she's like, no, no, please, have more. She's like, trying to fatten her up. <laughs> it's like a mean moment there, isn't it? <laughs> Poor Sansa, she's, she's not stopped. even... She's going to be traumatized from lemon cakes from now on. <laughs> well, I thought it was kind of funny because I remember in the books, it's repeated over and over again that Lysa is, like, chubby. Like, he's always talking about her, like, thick, soft body. And I love this actress, but I was like, wow, she's so, she's so thin. And I, I thought it was weird that, like, she had been commenting on Kat's weight when, like, in the books, she's not super thin. Hmm, I don't know point. if that really means anything. Good but. point. Good memory. It is a good point, though. I, yeah, I, yeah. That's a good example of how sometimes the actors in these shows, they, I guess they do kind of take over what's in your mind, because I totally forgot about Kat not being skinny. <laughs> Uh, what am I at? Okay, Sansa um, is getting her fingers um, squeezed by Liza, and um, she kind of goes into this cry about how she's a stupid girl and who has stupid dreams, and it was kind of sad to watch. Sansa. It was a good job. I think it was a good job with Sansa actually. She's she's uh, pretty much portraying there that she's not a stupid girl. She's telling Liza what she wants to hear. Exactly. Like, she totally. diffused her, you know, quite quickly. And then mm, she did. Mm-hmm. She creepily... Like, oh, go ahead. Oh, it seems like that that right there, I'm a stupid girl, that's like her coping mechanism whenever somebody attacks her or she feels cornered because she did that with Joffrey. Um, she did that whenever she was talking to Alina at first, whenever Alina was questioning her. And now she's going into that, I'm a stupid girl again. What's interesting about that is that actually is kind of a callback to Danny's standard line. Right, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Just yeah. a young girl, uh, you know, unsure in the ways of war or whatever she says. Whatever it is, yeah. Something yeah, along those lines. But I, I kind yeah. of like that they've transferred it to Sansa. It makes sense because she is yeah. learning how she's, to she's hide her real emotions and to, to tell people what they need to hear or want to hear. Exactly, yeah. Playing the game. Um... So after that, they kind of reveal that the plans ultimately are for Sansa to marry Robin. So, uh. <laughs> hopefully, he would have will have stopped breastfeeding by then. <laughs> oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about the reveal that Lysa killed John Aaron. Oh, oh yeah, probably because it was so anticlimactic. It was. It was, so it was just kind of like, oh, and by the way, yeah, I killed my husband because of you. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Let's go have sex. <laughs> <laughs> loud sex. Very loud sex. Yeah, I guess maybe because we all knew she did kill John, his book readers, it wasn't yeah. that big a revelation for us. I was the show only watches were thinking, though. Who knows? Yeah, I, and I really liked the way that it was revealed in the books, and, like, that was such an intense scene, and, like, her in- her madness was really, like, at a peak, and then she revealed that, and then craziness, and it was just kind of like, oh... Okay, I guess you murdered him. I'm, I'm like, more horrified by your loud sex than I am about your murder. Like, what? Yeah. 
I wasn't expecting them to do that reveal so soon, but I think it worked very yeah. well because I'm sure a lot of show watchers have totally forgotten about the the poisoning of John Aaron by now. So I they think I think yeah, that John in. Aaron is probably pretty far from everyone's minds now. Right, show watchers. But it's nice for them to know that it was not a Lannister yeah. deal. Right, they did not do this. But- Right. That little finger, in fact, orchestrated um, pretty much the whole mess that we're witnessing right now in, in West Coast. Uh, yes. Yep. What a douche. Okay. Right? <laughs> Creepy douche. Creepy douche. Yes. Okay. Um, the next scene is a Brie and Brienne and Pod scene, but I think Yay. we're gonna lump them together. Um, so I'm gonna hold off on that one because it is a short moment when we see them first, and then we'll come back to it. Uh, Hound and Arya. Arya is water dancing by a river. They picked a beautiful, beautiful. Isn't that gorgeous? Oh my gosh. Yes. And uh, the hound asks her, what are you doing? And uh, he kind of starts goading her. Um, (laughs) And it was actually quite funny. I found myself giggling at some of his lines. Like the best swordsman (laughs) was killed by fucking Marin Trant. (laughs) Yeah, I like like how the hound measures a swordsman's proficiency by how many Marin Trants he can beat. Right, three. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty good. He can beat three. <laughs> I, don't know. I feel like that's going to be like the next quiz online. Like, how many Maritrans could you take in a fight? Find out. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, anyway, he's like, "Go on, tell me what you tell me what your Bravo C friend showed you." And then she stabs him in the guts, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, she tries. I know, and I I got fooled by that scene when um, they were showing it just in trailers or whatever. Like I thought she actually stabs him there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I don't really have any questions about the scene. Anybody want to add anything before we go on to the next? Well, Chicky's um, probably heard this one too. I mean, whenever they brought up. Sirio Pharrell and the Hound saying, how could he possibly be killed by Marin Trent? I mean, I've heard this theory that Sirio Pharrell could possibly be um, Joaquin Hagar. Joaquin Hagar, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, it is a widely floated theory that Sirio Pharrell yeah. is in fact not dead. So I think this was kind of a, a nod to fandom right. in that scene, which was nice. Cool. I like it. Okay. Um, Oberyn and Cersei. Oberyn is um, writing in the gardens. Apparently it's poetry. I have my doubts. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually it's poetry. Fan fiction. There we go. <laughs> Between himself and Cersei. <laughs> he needed to have a change of scenery this episode. I guess yeah, I was a bit confused to see over and out of a brothel setting. Yes. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> Uh, anyway, Cersei arrives in the gardens. She has three guards with her, and she asks if uh, she can show him the gardens. They discuss his eight daughters, um, the fifth one named Elia, um, who's a bit of a troublemaker, I guess. Um, they talk about how avenging those they love is, you know, kind of what they have left to live for. Um, she speaks of Marcella, who's happy in Dorne, apparently. And uh, she shows him this boat that she wants to him to take um, to send to her and tell her that her mother misses her. So again, I think, like I said, this is like another judge that Cersei's visiting. So for me, this scene is just about her kind of working with judges. Yeah, right. I mean, I think she's highlighting to Oberyn that you know you love your daughters, you love your family. I love my daughter. Uh, we've got something in common there, so you should probably take my side <laughs> of the trial. Or alternatively, she's hidden some wildfire and several thousand men in the ship's hold to infiltrate Dawn from the inside. <laughs> that would be a Cersei move, wouldn't it? That would be a sort of a Trojan horse move. Oh, totally. I think, too, um, Cersei had probably one of the best lines I've heard in the sh- this season so far, where she says, everywhere in the world, they hurt little girls. Yeah, that was good. Especially on Game of Thrones, right? they hurt little yes. girls. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Not just little girls, all girls. All yeah, girls. I mean, it was kind if of you're like... female, beware. <laughs> I thought that line was a little patronizing myself. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Okay. To be continued later. Okay. Most of my opinions were on how swoon worthy Oberyn was. Like, really, you're like in the garden with your cleavage, writing poetry with a like feather quill. Could this get any better? In the garden with your cleavage. 
Oh, God. Um, just, sorry, just quickly bringing it back to what Chicky was saying. I actually, I tend to agree with what she's saying, if what, what in fact you were saying was it's a bit patronising for Cersei to be saying that <laughs> because she has also hurt little girls. Or will, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Jeez, I don't think about it from that point of view. Mm. Well, it's just a true statement, and I liked it. <laughs> it's true, but she's no exception, I guess, is no. part of it. Right? No, definitely not. She's not exempt by any means. Um, okay, so I guess now we can talk about Brie and Pod, because um, I kind of lumped this one together. Um, the first scene we see of them is he seems quite useless with the horse. <laughs> and he's kind of like prancing around or trying to control his horse. It kind of reminded me of that cartoon dog, like the pit bull dog, with the little yippee one that would... Am I totally on left field here? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> the Warner I'm, I'm, mi- Good one. I'm missing some sort of North I am too. I too. I have no idea what you're talking about. Chicky <laughs> gets me. Uh, We're old. We're old lot. That's why we get that. Oh. But Potter is very cartoonish. I will yes. I will go there and say he's just a sweet little cartoon puppy. <laughs> Brienne asks him, didn't they ever teach you how to ride a horse? And he mentions how Lord Tyrion preferred litters. <laughs> Perhaps you should have stayed with him. Um, she mentions she's going to the wall where John is. Um, and she's just basically trying to brush him off. Like, I don't own you. You can go. You are released from your vow. But he just keeps riding with her. Had they going on the vow thing. Because, I mean, she's just so oath oriented at this point <laughs> she had to be like look look no more oath bye like to me it just seems like she's got a job to do and this guy is just totally going to slow her down that's mm-hmm. how it reads right i think maybe she might be slightly concerned about him getting hurt as well or at least i'd like to think so <laughs> yeah i could see that and um the next scene we see with them is um, pot is burning their supper <laughs> 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 He didn't remove the skin from the rabbit, and he's, like, stomping on it while it's on fire. And he- Can I just say, that is so something I would do. I, just, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think we'd all be pod. Not me. <laughs> <We're in Westeros. laughs> uh, not me. My, my dad's a hunter, so I've been seeing <laughs> animals turned inside out since I was, like, three. You've been I'm skinning animals lot. since you were a toddler. I'd be Brienne, like, so fed up with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure she was the one that hunted that rabbit, and then she comes back, and he's burned. She's like, great, now I'm going to have to get another one. You know how annoying that is? If you've ever been camping, just, like, making a hot dog is annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, this scene reminded me of the scene with the rabbit skinning last season with um, Mira and Osha, and I actually was at a convention, and... I saw Natalia Tenna, who plays Osha, and she talked about like them skinning the rabbits, and they had they ran out of rabbits, and they had to staple the skin back onto them. Oh god, it was just super gruesome and awful. (laughs) When I was watching the scene, I couldn't help think about that and go, "Well, at least they didn't have to staple any rabbit first. That's lovely. Uh, anyway, um, she asks him what his duties were with Tyrion, and mostly he says pouring wine. <laughs> Accurate. Yep. And uh, he reveals that he defended Tyrion at the Blackwater when she asks him if he has any kind of combat experience, and that he actually shoved a spear through the back of the king's guard's head. And then automatically, I kind of thought maybe Pod is going to do the Gendry thing. Because you know how Gendry saves mm. her, right? Wait, Whoops. didn't John do the Gendry thing? Yes, right? Yes, yeah. John, John's already done it. It's been yes. done. Stop <laughs> stealing Gendry's moves. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we don't even know where Gendry is. I think he's he still rowing. He must be he's out in the the by now. <laughs> he may have drowned. <laughs> Can I, I just hope say, Gendry has a black we... box somewhere, wherever he is. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Can I just say, um, yeah, in, in, with regards to this scene, I've seen a lot of criticism online um, with respect to how Brienne was being, you know, or, or behaving towards Paul Pod. Um, but, I mean, in my opinion, I think she is very much in character. Um, she's being Book Brienne here. Book Brienne isn't particularly tactful. Um, and I think she's sort of showing her annoyance without being harsh. So, you know, I didn't really have a, a huge issue with her portrayal in this scene. I absolutely I agree. 
No, I, I think they've too. played up her snark a lot. I mean, I think they've toughened her more in the show than she was in the books. I think just because it adds more tension, maybe, or just makes her look cooler. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I, think, I don't think they've made her any tougher. I think this is just uh, man. You know, she's not a polite person. She's very what? surly and caustic, kind of a porcupine when you yeah, run into her. It's, it's more of a protective yeah. picture, really. It is. It's understandable. But if you read like mm-hmm. Catelyn's first first meeting of Brienne, uh, Brienne is downright prickly. And I yeah. think this fits right in. And if you consider in the books that I think Brienne kind of ambushes Pod in the books mm-hmm. and holds him at, at sword point. Mm-hmm. So this this kind yeah. of fits right in, I think, in my opinion. Well, I mean, it was a different scenario. I think it was she was afraid yeah. of him because she didn't know who she was, who he was then. A little bit. Yeah. But she actually considers, you know, like like offloading Pod. But she she kind of thinks about how she could use him, I think, in the books. And also she's concerned about, you know, the fact that he's so young in the books and that she probably needs to protect him. Whereas, you know, in the show, it's just not that case. Pod is clearly yeah. so much older than 12-year-old Podrick from the books. I mean, she probably still yeah. have to protect him, but yeah. She, she probably would. And probably I'm very would. interested to see how, like, the age difference plays out in the future. Because it is kind of like, oh, I have this child with me that I have to protect somewhat and now it's kind of like i have this bumbling Teenager. puppy yeah <laughs> I, I have this adorable puppy to protect <laughs> i think the the guy that's playing podrick just he has this natural ability to kind of make you care about him i think they have a good yes. actor for it so i think daniel portman is amazing yeah right. and clearly has great chemistry with Gwendolyn christie they yeah, were yeah. phenomenal i think just spot yeah. on I was yeah. really relieved. I don't know why, but I was just a little bit concerned about how they'd play off each other. But, geez, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, and it, ultimately, she comes around to him a little bit, and uh, she relinquishes and lets him help her with her straps. <laughs> yeah, but how did you get into He's... the armor? That's the question. How oh, I think we all know Chicky. Armor? I think Do we? we know. Do we know? <laughs> <laughs> Did a one-armed man help her in? Were three hands enough? <laughs> Together, that. How <laughs> uh, I just like an excuse to have it go longer. Like, oh, and make this armor as complicated as possible, so I could help you into it for a good solid hour. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> Gotta get a hold of this. Okay. Otherwise, we're gonna have a repeat of last week where we just helplessly flail for yeah. three minutes. And giggle. Giggle. <laughs> Silences, giggling. <laughs> and sighing. <laughs> okay, Craster's Keep. That'll that'll stop you from giggling. <laughs> oh gosh. Yep. I'm sober now. <laughs> so my I wrote my lock is spying. <laughs> He moves in and uh, he finds Bran, Hodor, and Mira and Jojen chained up and uh, he skitters away. Jojen has a vision of the weirwood tree um, and then we hear lots of crow sounds. He's having a vision. Um, Jojen tells Bran that he has to make it and this isn't the end. Not for you. Not yet. Very ominous language. Eventually we see Locke again returning to report to John, and he specifically tells him to steer clear of the hut, says there are dogs inside. So we know he's got ulterior motives with that. Um, and he has a great line where he, <laughs> John tells him he's seen what Carl can do with the knife. And he says, have you seen what I can do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jamie, no! <laughs> um, okay, so this is, again, just a reminder. This is a, a rape uh, or a trigger warning for um, rape discussion that's coming up now with this next scene. And it's Carl and his goons, and they're intending to rape Mira. And as they're threatening her, Bran and Hodor are both kind of freaking out. And uh, Jojen says, if he lets her go, he can help him, meaning Carl. Um, And he Mm. tells him he's a seer. And um, he says, have you seen what I'm going to do to your sister? And then Jojen replies, I saw you die tonight. And shortly after that exchange, you hear the attack of the Night's Watch. Um, Any thoughts on this? 
I, I just want to point out, I, I really enjoyed the metaphor they used with Joe Jamari says, I saw the snow fall and bury your bones. I thought that was quite poetic. Yeah, it was, because, you know, John Snow's coming. That imagery being used a lot in the books of, like, snow burying bones. And it was kind of like, oh. Okay. Yeah, and falling on the throne and whatnot. I just, I'm generally eh about this whole thing. But I love Bern Gorman so much that I was kind of, like, secretly glad that they did this because he's such a great actor and he's so good at being awful. Yeah, he is. He's... I, I was kind of glad to see him again. <laughs> yeah, he's a good villain. Uh, but n- nobody tops Locke. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that. Yeah. Locke comes into the hut and um, he quickly shows his true colors with Bran and he... Um, when he asks who his identity is, Bran won't tell him. So he kind of cuts his leg and obviously he can't feel it. Um, so he picks uh, Bran up and he starts leaving the hut with Bran over his shoulder. And um, Hodor's freaking out and you kind of see this like eye exchange between um, Hodor, not Hodor, sorry, but between Bran and Jojen. And then Bran works into Hodor. And then I wrote, Brodor! <laughs> <laughs> Hodor chained. Um, yeah. You know what? I I did find I did find this stream this scene a little bit distressing, but I have to say I think they did a really fantastic job with sort of showing the kind of violation that's actually happening to Hodor when Bran walks into yeah. him, um, because it is much like in the books. I think initially in the books Hodor is um, you know very frightened and he fights against it, and then. You know, as time goes on and Bran walks into him more and more, he just kind of gives up. And they use the line in the book, um, he was like a dog who has had all the fight whipped out of him. So I think they they just did a really fantastic job there of showing, you know, this really is a violation. And someone's taking over your body there. You know, he's killing a man with Hodor's hands. And you you see afterwards how Hodor looks down at his hands and sees the blood and just looks terrified. It's, It's really awful. But I thought it was a good scene. Yeah, because that is a hard thing to convey, right? Like, you can't get inside uh, the character's thoughts, right? So yeah. with Hodor, how do you, he, he, he only says Hodor. So. <laughs> that would be his thoughts. <laughs> Hodor in varying levels of terror. It's like I even wrote somewhere how much I want that actor's job. Like, like literally, he does not have to memorize any lines. <laughs> he certainly has it down, though. He can say it with varying levels of emotion. <laughs> I could do he that. Does. <laughs> varying levels of emotion and confusion uh, so um, my man Locke he gets his head dripped off pretty much <laughs> oh and did you say you saw, I know you saw the article Locke, um, with Noah Taylor who said that he didn't actually know he wasn't aware that he was going to be killed in that episode but then they called him in to be fit with a broken spinal cord prosthetic and he thought yeah it's probably over <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I vlogged that, so if you want to check that yeah. out, it's a good article. <laughs> it is a good article. He seems he seems like a really nice guy, actually. <laughs> um, so yeah, eventually when Hodor is uh, released from Bran, he did look at his hands. He sees it's all bloody, and he sees the guy yeah. he just killed. And oh. Whitey summed yeah. up how horrible that must be. Yeah, and and there's so many people who are show watchers and don't really get it they're just like oh this is such a cool power and like you can do such cool stuff and i think hopefully this and maybe more scenes will show the darker side of working i guess yeah yeah i wonder if there are going to be repercussions for that yeah i find it interesting too with um the actor being so much older in appearance than brand in the books you kind of forgive brand in the books he's so young such a young child working into hodor and kind of violating his autonomy in this way Whereas in the show, Bran looks about 25, and so it's harder <laughs> think, to I forgive think, <laughs> this violation, I, I think. I think you're being generous there, 25. <laughs> <laughs> Someone say you look like a 40-year-old woman. <laughs> He's nudging 40. That great page boy. He's Just, like Tommen. <laughs> yeah. Just like Tommen. Tommen's doing my taxes right now. Right. We're going to see him next episode. He'll have a full-on beard. <laughs> He's going to be worried about the kingdom and its future and its debts. <laughs> Not beats. No more beats. Okay, so um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Jojen, or, sorry, Bran is starting to call for John, um, and 
Jojen tells him he's he'll never let you go north. You'll never see the three-eyed raven. So I think Jojen's sole job in this series is to actually save the plot because you know how many times have they almost met? <laughs> you know, Twice now. I, I totally and yeah. I think he even said like you're not here. You're far away. And it was like, yeah, Jojen's read the book, yeah. so he knows. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's totally <laughs> not here at all. Good job, Jojen. Good job. <laughs> That's awesome. I was just, I was so annoyed too that how the previous episodes back, how they didn't even have that scene of Sam admitting to John, like, oh hey, I saw Bran. Like it was kind of like John casually, oh yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you told me about Bran, and it just, it seems like it was another extension of that. Oh, tragic! I my brother's like right there, and I can't get to him. And I feel like the la- like from the previous season, it was so much stronger and so much better that I'm kind of like this one really fell flat. That's well, they're like, revisiting their own their own plot device here, essentially, yeah, like several times. <laughs> yeah, we're getting fatigued for this now. Okay, um, so inside the keep, we see Carl and John are fighting. <laughs> Carl spits in his eye. That was way gross. Um, it looks That's bad. That's right. He gets what's coming to him. Yeah, it looks bad for John, and then one of Craster's wives like sinks a knife into the back of Carl's shoulder blades. And uh, when Carl turns on her, John shoves a sword through Carl's mouth, Gendry style. Is my favorite. Gendry style. <laughs> it's like I think it's cool. Gendry style. But it's Gendry style. I think it's cool that that made it into the show. I think it's a shame it won't be in its proper place, but we don't actually, I mean, who knows whether we'll get biter at all anyway. So, you know, at least it happened. It is a cool kill. Yeah. It was such it a good death. It is very cool. Yeah. I was really wishing for like the Walking Dead style of like in memoriam or like, you know, like Game of Thrones killer death of the week. Cause I feel like that would just top it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. It's a good death. Um, <laughs> Uh, I wanted to know, like, how come Carl or even Craster's wives, how come they didn't mention that, you know, Bran and, you know, Hodor and everybody was was there? You know, Carl could have mentioned that while they were fighting, you know? Good question. It's like, (laughs) Carl could have so used that against Jon Snow. I mean, right there. That's Yeah, because Carl definitely would have known. Oh, geez. Thank you for finding the plot hole. That yeah. was a huge plot hole. Good win, yeah. Eon. You win. Yeah. Yeah. You win the podcast. Yep. <laughs> what, is, uh, is, what, is, what does she get for winning the podcast? <laughs> Nothing. No. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> okay. Um, so they find Locke's body um, and they realize that they're still missing. Uh, sorry, I'm jumbling up my notes, but they realize they're still missing one Mjolnir, uh, it's Rast. And then we see just a quick scene of him getting chomped down by Ghost. And then Ghost and John are reunited. Yay. Aww. We haven't My seen John smile in so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while. And, uh, and John invites the women from the keep to return with them. <laughs> and the woman spits on the ground. Lots of spitting in this episode. <laughs> Burn it to the ground and all the dead with it. I've got to say, that was, uh, I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed seeing John giving the women agency to choose what they wanted to do because that is sorely lacking in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Although I, I don't know if, if burning down the house would nearly make up for what they've been through, but yes. I also, yeah, I also wonder whether that was the best idea because that is now a giant beacon for any predators out there. Well, not only that, like, it hey, kind of eliminates. Eliminates their supplies and winter is coming and and the others yeah. are everywhere. But uh, shelter. Yeah. I mean, unless they like, unless I mean, they dragged the supplies out, but who knows? I, mean, I feel like they didn't. But yeah. no. <laughs> give us a couple hours. Let us get our stuff yeah. out, <laughs> and then we can have the dramatic bonfire. Well, I mean, I think they're probably running out of food and supplies anyway, with all the mouths they have to feed. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I had the same thought too. I'm like, dude, where are you going to live now? <laughs> Right. I'm sure there's a tree somewhere. <laughs> Your survival <laughs> instincts are frightening. <laughs> I 
I can't look. I can't skin rabbits. I wouldn't be able to find shelter. You do not want to be lost in the woods. Hungry <laughs> under a tree somewhere. <laughs> Treehouse. Come on. <laughs> okay, so that's it for the episode. Um, but we have like a kind of a, a jam packed episode for you because we had lots of questions come in. And so we're going to try something a little different this week. Um, we're going to answer some of those questions. Um, and I think, YD, you have the questions, right? I do. I have the questions. And I just want to thank everyone for uh, for giving us so much support with this. I made a post on our Tumblr a few days ago um, asking for any questions that you may have uh, in relation to Jamie or Brienne um, and their relationship. And we did get quite an influx. So that was fantastic. Thank you. Um, I have picked. Yeah, I've picked a couple out, although I don't know if we have time to do both, but we'll start with one. Um, so I just wanted to ask you guys, this is a question from Garland Subterfuge, who actually sent in a few questions. Oh, God, I got a feeling it's sexual. <laughs> you know it's going to be sexy. <laughs> so the question is, uh, what scenarios can you envision leading, finally, to some frick fracking between Jamie and Brienne? <laughs> <laughs> so does anyone want to volunteer to go first um i think a shack would need to be in order <laughs> not a treehouse no <laughs> i'd say maybe sparring yeah, yeah. I like that. sword fucking yeah. before sword yeah. fucking for the win <laughs> get their yeah. blood boiling you know arguing yeah getting pissed off yeah. at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the scenario, there's just lots of snark involved. Right? Yeah, I think um, Chicky and I discussed this previously. I think we both are proponents of the uh, sword fucking leading to actual fucking scenario. Um, and I think, you know, we've talked about how um, for both of them, they probably it probably does need to be on the spur of the moment. There needs to be not much time for thinking um, and just, you know, it <laughs> just needs to happen. Yeah, I think it needs to be all action and, and yes. no thought. <laughs> That's how it happens. It's Sword fighting. Yes. Yay! <laughs> if, if, if they do end up consummating the relationship and it's described anywhere as good as the actual sword fucking was, I will be a very happy sure. <laughs> I am sure that it'll be George R. R. Would reread A plus plus. All right, fantastic. All right, we'll move on to the um, the second question, um, and this is from the lovely F seven. Um, who's been really, really lovely and supportive of this podcast from the very beginning. And she asks, um, she says, I'm pretty sure that we all agree how magnificent Nikolai and Gwendolyn are in portraying Jamie and Brienne, especially when they're in scenes together. Mm-hmm. But she wants to know if there are any aspects of their portrayal um, which you are not satisfied with. Oh. Anyone have any thoughts? Well, I have one. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's kind of involuntary. Um, it is difficult for me as a book reader to to um, reconcile a much older Brienne, which obviously is what Gwendolyn Christie has no choice but to portray as she's mm. clearly at least late 20s or early 30s in her looks. I know she's probably a little bit older than that, but mm-hmm. that's probably the most difficult thing for me because uh, book Brienne is clearly still a teenager, a late teenager, but a teenager and hasn't experienced many life things yet, like killing people and everything. Yeah. And that's one of the things they had to change, I think, because of Gwendolyn Christie's, Christie's age, and that's been my most difficult thing to reconcile. My yeah, I think you're right. Genre. I mean, it makes it makes certain aspects of her her life to date a little bit unbelievable in terms of you know never having killed anyone, or um, even even with her relationships with uh, with men, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, that's a that's a good answer, Chicky. Thank you. Does anyone else have any issues with the? Uh... Mine is in the same yeah. genre. I imagined book Brienne so much uglier than Gwendolyn yeah. Christie is and I think that's where I struggle the most <laughs> damn it Gwendolyn being Christie. so pretty <laughs> she, she's, she's gorgeous. just so pretty <laughs> um, but I think you always kind of end up with that when you have alterations and there's always yeah. I think we call it Hollywood pretty 
There's the, yeah, yeah I, they couldn't have done better. I can't imagine a better scenario. Than no, that. I wouldn't yeah, trade exactly. her for someone less attractive for the world. I think she is. She is Brienne. She embodies Brienne. She's amazing. Absolutely, yeah, she's perfect, totally. And, and for for Nikolai, I would say he is 100 percent as Jamie as any other actor in the world could be. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Yeah, and- Does anyone else have any any other thoughts on that? Oh, and this took I- my answer. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Ian. Oh, I think mine is. I think with Brienne, and it kind of goes with Chicky's answer. It's just it's sometimes, and it it's just because they've aged her up, and she's had a little bit more world experience. But sometimes she can come off as a little bit more callous than Book Brienne, especially in season two, whenever she killed the the Stark soldiers. Because yeah. Book Brienne would never have done that. I mean, yes. she doesn't kill anybody until a feast for crows, and whenever she's Sorry. killing those people, it it really it really messes her up. Yeah, really. but that's not really a fault of Gwendolyn Christie. That's no, it's it's not. No, no, but yeah, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you absolutely. And part of that is just the loss of going from being inside this character's head to screen, and you have to go with you know they have to make that choice of showing something that's visually cool and makes people immediately like this character. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, like, when I first saw that scene, I don't think I had read into the books where she had come in yet, or at least only minorly. And I was like, this lady is great. <laughs> I can't wait mm-hmm. to see, like, what she's really about. Mm-hmm. And then when I got into the books, I was like, wow, there's so much more depth to her than, yeah. you know, I ever imagined. And I think... I find that happening a lot more with the female characters than any of the male characters. Like, especially with Sansa and Cersei, you lose their internal monologue and they get a lot less complex on the show. Yeah, you certainly do lose some of the nuances, I think. Everything um, is flagged on screen. That's right. Um, I think we should probably move along because we are running a little low on time and we still have to give out a few thank yous. Um, We had so so much... We did. We've had a real influx of uh, support for this podcast on iTunes, and we've also received a few emails. So that's that's really fantastic, guys. We really appreciate that. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through some of the thank yous. Um, I, I was going to read out everyone's uh, review on iTunes, but I think perhaps we should just maybe mention names at this point because we're running a little late. What do you guys think? Yeah. Go ahead and read them. That's just fine. run through. Just read them. All yeah. right, I'll, I'll go fast. <laughs> so we have a review from uh, Cynically Romantic, who I think we might have thanked last week, but I'll just quickly read out her review. Um, she says, this is a very well thought out podcast for Game of Thrones. Anyone who likes the show, Jamie or Brienne will love it. Um, we have another review from Jen, who says, this is wonderful, funny, insightful to the books, and clearly an awesome group of people. Can't wait to hear more. <laughs> thanks, Jen. <laughs> Can't wait to hear more from them. I mean, I mean, thanks, Mum. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> we have another review from Crispy, um, who says, Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire can be fascinating but also dark and depressing. This podcast, which has a special emphasis on Jamie and Brienne, cuts through the darkness and remembers that books and TV shows should be fun. It is a fun and feisty listen. Um, Next review is from Feisty. Next review is from Carrie, who says, All of you ladies are so much fun to listen to. I get so excited every week when a new episode is posted. Every JB shipper should be listening to these. They are gold. Um, next review is from Comma Splice, who says, These are interesting, full of insight, and a lot of fun. A must-listen to for any Game of Thrones fan, even one who's not that much into Jamie and Brienne. Oh. Oh, thank you, Comma. <laughs> She's like um, a voice of reason. She is. She's amazing. We love her. Um, next review is from Clotho Spindle. He says, you should listen. It's a lot of fun. The flow is great with interesting discussion points, nice balance of information and humour. Looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, Next review is from Chick Spear. Great name. I enjoyed this podcast. I like boars, gore, and swords for its feminist take on Game of Thrones, so it is nice to have a similar perspective. Thanks for girl talk about Game of Thrones. And last iTunes review uh, is from Anran. I love every second of it. Can't wait to you ladies get to the book chapters. Please keep the podcast coming. So, wow. Thank you, guys. That is is amazing. That is amazing. I I think I owe at least 
Uh, I think I owe at least five of you your money for doing that, so I will get back to you. <laughs> just, just quickly, we also received three lovely emails this week. Um, we received an email from Crayjoy who sent in a question, but she also said at the end of her email, um, thanks for making this podcast every week. You rock. No, Crayjoy, you rock. Thanks, Crayjoy. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we got a really lovely email from Rose Hart, who is a sweetheart. Um, she said that she loves hearing everyone's thoughts about the scenes and their knowledge of the books and show. And she says that the podcast um, – oh, sorry, she says that it's really funny how easy it is to recognise everyone by their voices. Um, wow. She also says that she started to listen to us while she's at work. Rose <laughs> Hart? I'm sorry. <laughs> I approve. I, I apologize, Rose Hart's co-workers. <laughs> she we love you, Rose feels, Hart. We do love you. Um, she says that it feels like having it's like having all of us in the room with her, and it just makes her day. Oh, um, and she also says, on top of all the warm fuzzies, um, she mentions how impressed she is with how professional the podcast sounds. Mm. <laughs> We are being quite professional right now, Rosa. All credit, <laughs> um, all credit she, to Lot on that. I was just about to say she credits Lot for Aww. being an amazing moderator, which she Absolutely. is. Aww. So thank you, Rosa, you beautiful lady. She says several other things, um, but, yeah, <laughs> don't really have enough time to say them all. Um, and the last email was from uh, In Savage Town, and I wish I had time to read this entire email because it is fantastic um she writes that she's a newbie to the wonderful world of jb shipping so welcome aboard my friend i hope you enjoy it um she says and i i'm saying this verbatim because i love it the airing of Oathkeeper hit me like a giant wave at sea a week ago and i've been soaked in everything jamie and brianne ever since i thought that was amazing um and i I think we all agree with that sentiment um she since delved right into the JB fandom and discovered our podcast. And on the last episode, of, um, she says, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed your discussion of the Jamie Brienne moments in Oathkeeper. Um, and she thinks that for their goodbye scenes, Nikolai and Gwen deserve all the Emmys. And I could not agree more in Savage yeah. Town. So thank you very much, everyone, for all of that. Um, we can't express how much we appreciate your support for this podcast. We adore receiving Thanks, all your comments yeah. and feedback. Thank all you those, so much. All those kind words, just it's just like fuel for the fire to keep doing it. I don't know. It totally. feels good. That's I mean, I, I have fun sitting with you guys and talking and discussing all this, but when you get nice compliments like that, it's like, it just yeah, it makes our day, makes our week. Yeah. Totally. Oh, thank you. As someone who's been listening, it's super nice to hear all the different accents because lot, you sound so Canadian. Oh, it's so cute. So I love it. You're like dragons, and I'm just like, yes. Dragons? What? Yes. What? How do? What, what's the? Uh, I'm not. Okay, no, not here. Not now. <laughs> I'll be paranoid about this later. <laughs> no, but I think it's. It reminds, because I get so in my own, like, fandom bubble of, like, assuming that everyone is just like me, and then I get here, and I realize, like, wow, there's so many people all over the world who are the same kind of dweeb that I am, and it's so nice. (laughs) No, we're not unique at all. (laughs) I used to think I was a special snowflake, but no, there's a lot of you. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, thank you for coming and joining us on Natural Shocks. You did very well, and it was really nice having you. You have a lovely voice. Good to have you on board, Ennis. Yes. Okay. Um, Well, well, we've had Natural Shocks this week, and um, what we're trying to do is making sure that we have as many people from fandom that want to participate in the podcast. Um, be a participant so um, if you are interested we are going to have a posting on our tumblr shortly about how you can go about doing that Um, we already have starting to take a few names of those that are interested there are some um, requirements um, but they will be on that posting Um, if you'd like to reach us and you don't have a tumblr you can always reach us at close the door and at gmail.com um, so I think that's going to wrap it up. It's a little bit meatier this episode, but not by much. We did pretty good for time. Um, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. All right. Keep we love sh- you. Yeah. We, we love you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> good night. Thanks, Goodbye. everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.